I don't often find myself teaching and preaching on the topic we're going to go to town on this morning. But um, it's here, and if you've been with us any length of time, you know we don't skip. We go right on through it, right? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to roll right on through it, and we're going to hit a lot of verses today. But rather than break down everything verse by verse, I'm going to break down kind of what Jesus is trying to say in this. We're going to talk about something that people stay away from or run headlong into called eschatology. Eschatology, all right? How many of you actually know what eschatology means? Two, three, five, six, seven, yeah. This is an eschatological sermon. Don't I sound smart today, all right? Eschatology is the, the portion of theology that deals with the end of time. It deals with end times. It deals with whatever one person believes that as, 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 as the world as we know it comes to an end. What's the old song? It's the end of the world as we know it. Well, studying whatever that is would be called, in a theological way, eschatology, all right? And I avoid eschatology because, you know, you get back into Daniel and it talks about those things and you get into the Revelation and it talks about those things and I just, I don't dig in there too far and you're going to find out why today. Do I think they're valuable? Absolutely. Do I think we ought to study them? Absolutely. Do I think we ought to study them to the point that we are so caught up in them that they drive us and that they deter us and that they cause us to question? No. And that's what I see happening, all right? Literally, I have seen people get so caught up in their study of this eschatological things that their lives and their emotions and their brains are affected by it in a, in a very negative way, all right? And it pushes them away from the truth. However, Jesus is speaking here. These are the words of Jesus this morning, and he's going to begin to hint, all right, at, at the way we know life coming to an end, all right? And he's going to talk about those things. So knowing that, let's read through, because some of this sounds just kind of confusing and kind of awful, and, it, it, and everything's going to be all right. Here we go. Some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. So the King of kings and the Lord of lords has ridden into town, all right, he has triumphantly entered. He has gone to the temple and begun to teach. He has scattered all of the money changers and all of the ignorant hearts and spirits in the temple. He has firmly planted himself as the opposition to religiousness, religiosity, rules, and regulations. And he is making regular efforts to teach in the temple. And later you're going to see that what he does is he teaches all day and then he retreats to the Mount of Olives every night. Then he teaches all day and he retreats to the Mount every night. And we know from other books that when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Olives, what he is, is he's coming down from filling up. All right? Jesus teaches us that yes, you must pour out your spirit into the people. You must teach. But he also teaches us that even the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world needed to be refreshed and restored, needed to get away and pray, needed to get away and connect with God and say, God, I need you. And this, this time takes a lot out of him because we find him doing this every night. All right? And he comes back down this morning and he's been teaching everyone and here's what his disciples, here's what the people who've been listening and paying attention are saying. Man, 
Look at this place. Look at this place. Look how majestic. Look how awesome our building is. And, and I, I think you need to get an idea of how awesome it really was. Because it was awesome, okay? There, there is a stone, okay? So Jesus is getting ready to say that the stones are going to fall down and not even be able to stack on top of each other. He's going to talk about it coming down. Listen, there is a stone called the Western Stone, all right, that was a cornerstone of the temple at Jerusalem, right? That stone, that stone, not, not a bunch of stones, that piece of rock, 10 feet wide by between 10 and 12 feet deep, by 45 feet long. It weighed 1.15 million pounds. 200 elephants. One rock. Okay? That was one piece. No, no clue. Even to this day, having studied the temples in Gaza and all of those things, people still don't have a clue how they moved that rock to where it was. No clue the ingenuity it took to get that there. That's one rock in this temple, one stone. This place was magical, beautiful, incredible. And they knew it, okay? Now, we, we, we do that a little bit today. We, we put our faith a little bit in our buildings today. We, 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 we're doing better here at NBC about that, but I have been to churches. I have talked to people. Oh, you know, don't move this plaque. Oh, don't, don't move that photo. Oh, don't, don't take out that window. Oh, don't do anything to our ceiling, our beautiful tin ceiling with one piece of that bothers the snot out of me. I mean, come on. One day in kids' ministry, did they take some paper mache and go, we can make it look right? <laughs> oh, man. Now for every ODC, OCD person in the room that never saw it before, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, all right? But we do it in other ways, don't we? We do the same thing when it comes to music. I still hear it to this day. There are people who love uh, us love this church family love coming down here but th and they've said these words to me to be honest with you I just I just want the old music okay if that's going to keep you from our potlucks and that's going to keep you from our small groups and that's going to keep you from our teaching and that's going to keep you from us loving you okay but we do it don't we we do it we, we do it with people we do it with Billy Graham Charles Stanley for our old schoolers. For the young ones, we do it with uh, Rob Bell or Matt Chandler or Francis Chan or Chris Tomlin or David Crowder. We exalt these, these humans who have a gift into worshiping in spiritual places that we, we can't even fathom. And so Jesus actually walks in the room. The God of the universe walks in the room and we're pointing at Craig. We're pointing at John. We're pointing at Matt. We're talking about the building. We're talking about the music. And Jesus is standing there going, Hello? Alpha and Omega here. I am. You are what? Not yet. I am. But we do it. And so Jesus says, mm, 
eyes for what you see here. <laughs> the time will come when not one stone will be left upon another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? What will be a sign that they are about to take place? Watch out that you are not deceived. Many will come in, in my name, claiming I am he. The time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and of uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. He said nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be earthquakes and famine and pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs. But before all this, they will seize you, persecute you, hand you over in the synagogues, put you in prison. You will be brought before kings all on account of my name and you will bear testimony to me. Okay, so... They ask a question, and, and hear me. It was the wrong question. Jesus says there's a time coming, all right, when the temple will be destroyed, okay? And their question is, when? How are we going to know it's coming? Now, if you're asking when it's going to happen and how you're going to know it's going to happen, what has to be in the back of your mind? If you want to know, how are you going to stop it? If you want to know when it's going to happen and you want to know what the signs are, you want to know because you want to know it's coming. If you want to know it's coming, you want to know how to stop it. There is no stopping it. Jesus says the world as you know it will end. Jesus says, I am coming back. And here's what happens to all the believers. They go, when? What will I see before it happens? Do you know what's behind the question? Hey, let me live how I want to live, and then right before it's time, I'll clean up. When you have the wrong heart, it shows from the beginning. We sound good with our theological and eschatological questions, but all they do is show where our heart is. And Jesus says, yes, there will be famine. Yes, there will be war. Yes, there will be all of these things. But guess what? All of these things have been going on all the time. I've lived through three generations of people predicting when it's going to happen, spending their whole lives reading the Bible through for a year on national radio stations in Jerusalem and all across Eastern Europe. I have had people scare the living daylights out of me as a high school student, playing all these revelational roles out so that they know this is going to be today. This is going to be the hour. So that I walked out of the room looking up every day into the clouds going, if it's cloudy today, Jesus could come back. I, I felt that way. And, and Paul said it best. He said, Paul, why do you do what you do? Well, Jesus might come back tomorrow. There it is. I live how I live not because I know that it's tomorrow, but because he said he would, and it might be tomorrow. And guess what, tomorrow? It might be tomorrow. And guess what, tomorrow? It might be tomorrow again. But I will live 
every day as if it might be tomorrow. And Jesus says there are going to be teachers who are going to come and tell you things. They're going to let you know the signs. They're going to point to the scriptures and they're going to say, look at this and look at this and look at this. And yes, yes, in the last six months, you can read in-depth articles about why it's coming in the next year or two. Look at my face. Ignore it. Not because it's not fun to study. Because if it affects your life in any way, you're doing it wrong. Jesus said, I will come back. What should you believe in that sentence? He'll come back. He said he would and he will. If you're going into a dark room and you can take one thing with you, most of us are going to go with a light. If you're going into a cold room and you get to take one thing, what are most of us going to take? Heat. If you're coming to the end, something that is finite, what are you going to take? How about infinite? How about if something ends? What, what about eternal? The idea here is not when is it coming, but that it's coming. And the question becomes, are you ready when it comes? If there's darkness coming, do you have the light? If there's cold coming, do you have the heat? If I have the heat, if there's finite coming, do you have the infinite? Make up your mind. Don't think you've got. Don't wonder if you've got. Make up your mind. God love him. Tay is Tay's my favorite. My favorite boy on the planet, right? He's my favorite. If that boy needed to make up his mind or die, he would die. It is, it, it, is, it is as impossible for that boy to make a decision as it is for me to dunk a 15-foot basketball goal. He cannot do it, and it will stress him out. You want peanut butter or you want a hamburger? Ah, uh, ah, uh, well, I'm going to grab it in three seconds. Ah, 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 seven seconds later, I'm just getting him a burger. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> Um, 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 make up your mind. Listen, listen to what it says here. Not to worry beforehand how to defend yourselves. Here's what we do, church. We, we start playing out in our minds what it is we're going to do to overcome the obstacle that is in front of us, how we're going to perform, how we're going to react, how we're going to respond. Listen to me. When the end of time comes, there is no performance, no action, no reaction, nothing that you can do, no matter how much you plan, to get past what is finite. You must take with you the infinite. Anxiety will ride over you. 
if you think there is something you can say or do. And as the anticipation of the end comes, you begin to wonder, am I enough? Have I done enough? Have I saved enough? Have I worked enough? And this happens all throughout our lives. And God says, make up your mind not to worry how you will defend. Guess why I'm not worried? Because there's nothing I can do. And it's not me who does anyway. It is Christ who will do for me. And I believe that he will. I ain't worried about it. Make up your mind not to worry how you will defend yourselves. It's really easy when you know you're not the defender. For I will give you words. I will give you words. I will give you words and wisdom that none of the adversaries can resist or contradict. He has played it out in the church for the last week. And now he's saying, I'm going to be in you. I'm going to show you how to do this. You will be betrayed. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, friends, and some of them will be put to death. When Rome came in, when Rome came in, listen to me, they carted off and imprisoned 900,000 people and they crucified, beheaded, and executed another million more. This is months, years right after this time. Everyone will hate you because of me. Say it again. Everyone will hate you because of me. This isn't news. <laughs> this isn't first time hearing. Anyone who would be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. From the beginning, when you ask what must be done, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Say no to everything that your flesh wants. Take up the cross. Be willing to carry that which will take your life. And on the way, be ridiculed, mocked, spit upon, kicked, and dragged on a hill where they will raise you up, make fun of you, and watch you die. And then, if you make it, the only request, follow me, there is one assurance in those two words. Everywhere you go, Jesus is first. Whatever has to hit you, has to hit him first. If you're not following Jesus, you're in the wrong place. This goes back to the old co-pilot thing. If he's your co-pilot, what? You're in the wrong seat. Jesus is reminding us of the reality that is coming that he's already told us. <sighs> I love this. But not a hair on your head will perish. I said I was your pastor. I did not say that I was a faithful believer. I guess, you know, if this, if this is a sign, then uh, I'm going to take that to Jesus when I get there, right? First things first, Jesus. Not a hair on my head. What was that? What was that? 
wait, 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 wait. I'm going to be mocked. Yes. My parents, my grandparents, my sister, my brother, my best friends are probably going to leave me or yell at me or unfriend me. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be mocked, persecuted. Yes. Life's going to be hard. Yes. Well, then what are we doing this for? But not a hair on your head will perish. Perish. To, to die. To expire. You won't perish. You won't die. There is no finite in me. You are not made for this world anyway. Stand firm and you will win life. It's childproof. Oh well, it's not moving. Stand firm and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that the desolation is near, okay? When people start to rise up around you, you will know. Next verse. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. Let those in the... <clears throat> Let those in the country not enter the city, for this is the time of punishment and the fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. They will be in great distress in the land and wrath against his people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. All right. Jesus begins to move on. Okay. And see how those who hear his word, he who hears these words of mine. If we stop there, those are hearers. He who hears these words and puts them into practice, those are doers. So he begins now to, to lay out. And it's not, it's not, it's not so that we can pick the day or the time. He's going to go on to say nobody knows the day or the hour. These things aren't to give us dates, deadlines, and things to check off a list before he gets here. It is a test. Nobody wants to hear about pregnant mothers losing their lives. Nobody wants to hear about those who nurse us back to health, literally and figuratively being cast out. No one wants to hear about the, the people of God being taken out away from their cities. No one wants to hear about your enemies coming in and pouring over you. Jesus is wondering, I just said you're going to be okay. As I speak these words, are you scared? Are you worried? Are you fretting? Or are you going, oh, no problem. Jesus is on my team. He's just telling me what's going to happen. I know that we win. The problem with most churches is we are so caught up in who we are today that we forget what we always have to be reminded of. We win. Jesus wins. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Neither height nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers of darkness. Nothing can separate us from his love. Yet every day we wake up, it's cold outside. It's snowing outside. It's raining outside. My kid has a fever. I can't go to work. I lost my job. And Jesus says, is that what you're focused on? Or are you focused on me? The difference between overcoming, overwhelming despair, overwhelming unrest, overwhelming anxiety is very simple. I win. You're either in me or you're not. Verse 21, 29, verse 29. Look at the fig tree and all of the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, 
you will know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. If you're thinking out of context, that verse needs to confuse you. If you're thinking out of context, that verse doesn't fit. Everything that I'm saying is going to happen. This generation will not pass away until it does. Wait, Jesus, the kingdom, yes. Yes, the temple did fall down in that generation. Yes, people were carted away and killed in that generation. Yes, people were crucified, murdered, left in hopelessness in that generation. They sure were. It happened historically right after this. But listen to me, every generation, every generation will have the Mayan calendar, Y2K, another TV preacher, another big YouTube thing that goes out that tells them when the day and the hour will be. And people will buy into it, whether or not Jesus says no one knows the day or the hour. We are so caught up in the events happening around us, in the war on the Ukraine, in the war in the Middle East, in NATO and everything that's happening. And you can connect the dots in the scripture for our generation to all of these things happening, to war, to pestilence, to all the things. You're going to see them. The question is not what you're going to do about them or what date is going to happen or how to know when it's near. The question is when all of these things happen, what do you carry with you? As you go through these things, are you going through them alone or are you going through them with Jesus? That's it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts... Should have read this before I spoke, but just, just, just so you know that I'm preaching correctly. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close in on you like a trap. Hmm. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Always be watchful. Pray that you may escape what is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. And each day Jesus was teaching at the temple, and at the evening he went out and he prayed on a hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came to hear him every morning in the temple. I told you a story recently, and I'm going to tell it to you again, because this is the important part of the story, okay? It's not when he's coming. It's that he's coming. It's not where he's coming. It's that he's coming. It's not when it will end. It is that it will end. And I, I am not wise enough, smart enough, powerful enough, will never be anything enough to be able to hand you a list of answers on how to overcome, okay? I, 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 I can't even fathom um, what was going on in my head, but I told you a, a good friend of mine who is working out their salvation with, with fear and trembling, um, asked to do an interview with me, right? And, and we were just talking about what it meant to be a minister. And of course, you know, uh, their questions were about being a Baptist and being a Catholic and being a Christian. And so we, we answered all these questions for them uh, to write a paper on in a class. And it's very, um, very educational, not, you know, a spiritual conversation. 
And I, you know, I, I simply made a statement. I said, the difference really is not um, goodness or kindness or any of those things. The difference is um, when it comes to where we're heading, we believe that if you have Jesus, you go to heaven. And we believe that if you don't have Jesus, you go to hell. And they were very much caught off guard. And it was a really awful situation for me because the next question out of her mouth was this. So do you think I'm going to hell? And, and I shook my head because that's, that's what I do. And I looked right at her and I said, I, I don't get to be the one that decides if you have Jesus or, or not. But if you do not have Jesus, if you do not believe in him and have a relationship with him, and I wish there was a little box that you could check several things off and then you could just turn that in because you know, but there's not. We used to say, well, if you pray this prayer and walk down these four verses in Romans, every little thing going to be all right. But, but it's not. It's a heart condition and a marriage, a, a literal spiritual marriage between you and Jesus. But if that doesn't exist, yes, I love you. You're going to hell. And if the spirit's not there, here's what happens next. It's my fault. How dare you think that you have the authority to, to dictate who goes to hell and who does not? How dare you think that by how we act and how we go and who your God is and who my God is that we... I didn't. My heart's broken. I'm not worth it. I have nothing to tell you. Other than this, if I'm going into a dark room, I take a light. If I'm going into a cold room, I take a heater. And if I'm going into eternity, I will take the eternal. And everything else fades. The end. There is no checklist. There is no better or no worse. If you have Jesus in your heart and Jesus returns tonight, you will be with him in glory. If Jesus returns tonight and you do not know him, you will not be with him. And the opposite of with him is without him. And without him is hell, whatever that is. And that's not my call. That's the truth that has never changed, period. And if you're not sure, ask. I'll be glad to help you get there. That's as evangelistic a sermon as I can preach. I want you to know Jesus, to have Jesus, and to be where I'm gonna be. Not because I'm good, but because I got Jesus' hand, right? Jesus goes, I'm just going to with him. And I don't get to grab yours and let you on me. I wish, but it doesn't work that way. You can't have your mommy's hand when she, you must have Jesus's. And because of that, you live.
And because of that, we celebrate. And because of that, we baptize. And because of that, we grow. And we praise. And we thank him because of that. I hope you have Jesus today. And if you don't, I hope you'll ask. Forget the why. Forget the how. Just focus on the who. And everything's going to be all right. Let's pray. Father God, if there's anyone in this room today, any, any person, any person who's 60, any person who's six, any person in this room who does not have a relationship with you, I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to them in such a way that they literally have to come up to me after the service, have to tap somebody on the shoulder after service, have to talk to Sire Preston after service and say, I, I, I need Jesus. And, and God, I can't wait to fill the pool and celebrate with the angels in our church family because the dead are alive, the lost are found. The end is coming, but there is no end in Christ. And we will be there together. I pray these things in Jesus' name and amen.